0: Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago,
1: Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on this Tuesday edition of uh, the program, we're going to take a look at some headlines, including a really interesting note about technology. And the way the people that created it in the first place are now uh, feeling a little bit uh, unsure about what they've made. (laughs) They're having some second thoughts, and it's affecting a lot of uh, people what they have created. So we'll take a look at that. Also continue to look at the authority of the Bible. That and more on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. This is 101.3 KPCG, and uh, we're online at kpcg.fm. Also, a live link at trumpet.com. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcg.fm. And if you'd like to email the program, you can do that, comments at kpcg.fm. It can be about our program, this one, Trumpet Radio Live, or any of the programs. And uh, we're happy to take a look at those for you. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today. And uh, I'm not I'm not even going to ask grant any questions that related to sports he came in you came in uh upset today you watched some some sporting <laughs> events last night and uh you were not you don't feel like anything was fair it didn't go the right way for you for your Every, teams everything is a grave injustice <laughs> <laughs> yeah the rant the daily rant yeah <laughs> the rant with grant that's uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's always the way it goes with sports it's funny how uh um. Uh, uh. With just with anything, you know, you see officiating and all those things, and you always you think, "Wow, that doesn't seem like that's fair." Every 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 team feels that way. I think. Well, yeah. You just you just have to wonder
0: why the same player on the Patriots can get away with the same pass interference infraction on three plays on the same drive in the end zone all three times, and he doesn't get called once. And then there was that obviously that vicious hit by Rob Gronkowski. And the Bills ended up starting their next drive, first and 25. Like, there were more penalty yards and more of a penalty against the Bills even after a hit like that that was the most
1: vicious I've ever seen. i gonna have to get a fan from uh, New England. We'll have to get him in the studio, too. Somebody, somebody, We'll find somebody around here that's from New England. <laughs> have you guys debate it. I did see some
0: people <laughs> trying to justify it, but the play's over. The guy's lying face down on the ground covering up the ball. He's out of bounds, too. And Gronkowski takes a running start and Pyle drives his entire weight into his elbow down into the back of the guy's neck. I mean, it was just unbelievable. The play was like five seconds over by that point.
1: it has been some uh, real brutal hits. I mean, there always is in football, but it seems like the more they try to um, regulate it, it does seem like, I don't know, people <laughs> are getting worse. Uh, yeah. There was a game uh, last evening. I didn't watch it or anything, but I uh, just saw some of the reports about it. Some of the highlights, too, and uh, the Steelers and the Bengals were just really headhunting, going yeah. after each other, hitting each other in the head. and um, Even, the, even the, um, the host for Monday Night Football, John Gruden, he was upset about it, said it was too vicious. So it's just interesting. I don't know if it's human nature or what, but the more they try to regulate it to keep people safe, the more people say, like, I'm going to hit that guy in the head, and then they just <sighs> go do it. It seems like.
0: Yeah, there were probably three or four or five plays where guys were just getting hit in the head and totally laid out flat, and it was just a terrible thing. I, I didn't even see hardly any of that game. I just saw maybe a part of a quarter, and I saw some nasty hits, and then obviously from the highlights too. But that's just what everyone was talking about was just how violent that game was. And then the Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, was asked about it after the game, and he said, that's AFC North football. <laughs> like, what a what a man. He just is like – he do, he's not going to complain about it. He doesn't want to get – and probably any cheap shots against him next time they play those
1: guys. The one, there was one guy from the Steelers who uh, was actually carried off the field on a stretcher and uh, couldn't move his legs for a while. Uh, spinal contusion. Yeah, <laughs> Don't know what the re- end result of that will be, but uh, that was his own fault. I mean, he dove head first into a guy and you see, of course your head hits and your spine compresses and uh it's it's not a good deal so i don't know uh, uh players have gotten bigger over the years and i think some of these guys feel like they've got to launch themselves to tackle uh or they just want to do it that way i don't know but that's not the way that they used to do it uh, not that it's ever been a, a sport where um there weren't injuries but it seems like
0: it's getting more severe And that was the most innocuous play out of all of them. That was the one that looked the least harmless, and yet look at the result of it. It just shows that the human body is not meant to be colliding into other human bodies like it's a car crash.
1: No kidding. You know, if you if you just think about uh, your normal day, if you let's say uh, inadvertently walked into a door or something like that, can really (laughs) that hurts. It can really jar you, and you look at these guys just running into each other over and over again and uh and they're big and and uh i know they have pads on but that doesn't that doesn't do a lot to help uh they'd probably be better off without the pads because maybe Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be quite as vicious towards each other but um yeah you see that in rugby too
0: the the guys who don't have pads on are a little bit more careful in almost every case
1: and so there's just not as many head injuries there yeah it's uh, uh, the human body wasn't meant to do a few things, so uh, anyway, it's kind of interesting. There, there's uh, uh, Time Magazine announced their 2017 Person of the Year shortlist on the Today Show today. Uh, the <laughs> The list includes, these are some, well, it's supposed to be the Person of the Year, but they've expanded it to mean it could be about anything. Uh, this is uh, Time Magazine's 2017 Person of the Year shortlist, including the Dreamers, Kim Jong-un, Colin Kaepernick, and the Me Too movement. <laughs> and, and then there's a few others in there but like Robert Mueller and others but um, anyway interesting list one commenter said time forgot to include uh, Jose Inez I guess Garcia uh, who murdered Kate Stein <laughs> Al Franken John Conyers Harvey Weinstein Matt Lauer and Charlie Harvey so mm. the commenters are not happy with the list of uh, potential <laughs> person
0: of the year. Well, one of those is a, is a movement, right. obviously not a person at all. Um, I, I don't know. I thought president Trump was going to be on that list. Possibly. He, he is. He's he is. on the short list as well. Yeah. Okay. Well that obviously, um, they don't think highly of him at time magazine. So it doesn't necessarily mean this is our good person of the year. This is just something that's notable.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess that's what it is. I tend to think of person of the year as like, Oh, somebody that did something really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess that's not what it's about somebody also said uh, uh, I haven't checked this but apparently uh, time had put Hitler on as person of the year way way back when yeah so I mean there's <laughs> they put a lot of different people on the cover um, and I guess I, I'm assuming they're trying to be controversial to stir up a little bit of talk about it
0: yeah definitely and especially the way that the media landscape is where a lot of publications are struggling because of the shift online or even t- uh, toward Television sometimes they do have to get some clicks or they do have to get some uh, subscriptions sold, and
1: these are these are just some ways to draw attention. I wonder what you get if you uh, win Person of the Year um, besides the notoriety is or like a cash prize. I, there should be <laughs> should be, be something be amazing. There were some people that did some nice some some good in in uh, society, and some commenters said, "Well, what about them? I mean, why don't you consider putting." You know, like say JJ Watt on there, who raised a lot of money for people down in Houston. And, yeah. and uh, again, not that the, those efforts will solve any underlying issues, but the best they knew, they tried to help and do something positive.
0: Yeah, it's pretty clear that that's not um, like they're not talking about a good person either. Like whoever made the biggest impact, obviously, Kim Jong Un is in the news a lot. President Trump is always in the news. The Me Too movement, I don't understand that because that's not a person, but that obviously is making a lot of headlines as well. So I guess they're just talking about basically seismic impact. J.J. Watt did a good thing, but it probably doesn't compare in terms of impact to these other ones.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Usually what impacts society the most is something negative, isn't it? Yeah. It's- Which is why Hitler could win. You right. Know? Really interesting. Another headline today. This is a bad deal out in California going on right now. Wildfire threatened several thousands of homes in Southern California. It's killed one person so far. Thousands were forced to flee their homes on Monday as firefighters battled a fast-moving wildfire in Southern California that had charred at least 25,000 acres of land. Intensified by strong winds and harsh weather conditions, the uh, fire caused at least one death in uh, Ventura County. Somebody was trying to get out of there, and they got in a car accident. (laughs) person's identity was not released at this point. So anyway, a lot of people, uh, a lot of homes being threatened, there people having to leave. There were those massive uh, wildfires in Northern California a few months ago, and now Southern California again has them. Um, uh, is California under some sort of a curse? What's going on out there? You have to ask that question. They just keep getting hit with
0: fires over and over and over again, and it seems like when we hear about them in the news at least, they just keep on spreading. They, they don't get stopped very quickly. They do, they do lead to people dying in desperation, either trying to get away or just getting chased down by the fire because it can move so quickly. There's a,
1: a lot on the trumpet about the California curse, including uh, a video by that title, the California curse that's by uh, Stephen Flurry from uh, a couple of years back. And th- that one in particular is about the dry spell in the Western half of the country, maybe the worst in centuries. And, uh, I don't know if there's been a lot of relief from that or not since then. I, I lose track. There's always so many droughts going on. But uh, anyway, it gives some really good historical insight into a California and maybe some of the reasons that they're having problems out there right now. But it's interesting, too, if you look at California, just if you search California, you know, for headlines, uh, a lot of the news stories are quite negative about the things that they're involved in. Um uh, <laughs> and uh, and then these disasters as well. But if you look at the movements away from anything biblical, uh, there's a lot of those movements out there and a lot of problems uh, with fires and such as well. Yeah, and there is definitely a connection. I mean,
0: obviously, we've seen a lot in the news about Hollywood. California is the seat of the... The movie industry, uh, the pornography industry, they attacked the Worldwide Church of God, which is God's church back in 1979, and, and that was unconstitutional. There are a lot of things going on there. Some of their cities are considered sanctuary cities. They're even trying to make their whole sa- state a sanctuary state, just completely lawless in every way. And then, of course, the curses come as well.
1: There's a connection there. It's really interesting. So that's an ongoing uh, story today. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, The Supreme Court allows full enforcement of Trump travel ban. The Supreme Court on Monday allowed the Trump administration to fully enforce a ban on travel to the United States by residents of six mostly Muslim countries. This is not a final ruling on the travel ban. Challenges to the policy are winding through the federal courts and the justices themselves ultimately are expected to rule on its legality. But the actions indicate that the high court might eventually approve the latest version of the ban uh, announced by President Donald Trump in September. Lower courts have continued to find problems with the policy, (laughs) surprisingly, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, opponents of this and previous versions of the ban say they show a bias against Muslims. Yes, (laughs) they do, but that's the intent.
0: Yeah, it it would be nice if truth could reign supreme in this this issue because... Obviously, these lower courts have been trying to strike this down many times. What they conveniently leave out is the fact that Barack Obama made this list of these more. It's really more about terrorist, terror-prone countries it, because there are how many? How many are there? Like fourteen at least in the Middle East that are Muslim majority. Uh, so it's not every Muslim majority country. It's the ones that produce the most terrorism. Those are. On the list that Barack Obama made, that President Trump is now using uh, for his travel ban, they're trying to. The media is trying to paint this as uh, racist or against a, an entire religion when it is against terrorism. You don't just want to
1: mindlessly import people who could be a threat. Right, and that's the big issue. These nations are having quite a few terrorism terrorists come out of them. Uh, the list is Chad, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. Uh, and so that there are some obviously some major issues with those uh with those uh, uh countries and but it says lower courts it said people from those nations with a claim of a bona fide relationship with someone in the United States could not be kept out of the country, grandparents, cousins, and other relatives were among those uh courts said could not be excluded, so they 're debating all of those things but again that that is the big issue, yes, they are Muslim majority countries. But it is uh, because of their terrorist activities that they're being uh, kept out, and, um, and and even there, I think there's there's probably always a way where you could potentially get in, but you'd have to be really, really uh, vetted, which I think is a good thing.
0: Exactly, and I think a good response to uh, the, all the controversy, all the controversy about this issue is: what if the president just said, "Okay, if this is against an entire religion, would you also like me to add Tunisia, Morocco, Egypt?" Uh, Oman, (laughs) Qatar. I mean, there's so many other nations he could put on the list if he were only singling out the religion of of Islam. Clearly, that's not the intent here. It is about the tangible, practical threats that America could be facing by letting people from some of these nations come in.
1: If a nation such as Iran has called the United States the great Satan (laughs) and said that they want to absolutely obliterate us, I think it's a good idea to not let them come. Why would they want to come anyway? (laughs) I know. Why would you want to visit the great Satan? You'd want to stay where you are, you'd think.
0: It's very true. I mean, I I have actually met some uh, Persian people here who are glad to have escaped, but sometimes the consequences for the people are that you can't come because your regime is hostile to America, and there could be some, I guess you could say Trojan horses coming in among the Iranian people getting here. Obviously, a lot of people... In some of these countries, are being oppressed by their governments, but at the same time, terrorists could easily come along with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see. I'm sure this will be a kind of a continuing battle, but but again, they're trying to keep out uh, some of the terrorist elements. Uh, there is uh, it's interesting too to note that uh, people coming to America, there are nearly 364,000 foreign students that come on F1 visas and uh, that were nearly enrolled in American colleges or universities in 2016. Uh, 108,000 of those come from China, that's the most. 66,000 come from India, 21,000 from South Korea, 18,000 from Saudi Arabia, which is interesting, and 6,000 from Nigeria. So students come in, too, for a time. A lot of times that's a really good thing, but... Those are the nations that send the most people over. So, not surprising. You do see a lot of uh, Chinese students on campuses.
0: Right. They have the most people to send. And so, obviously, they're going to send a whole lot of them. And they do very well over here. If you look at a list of uh, the ethnicities that make the most money over here or start the most businesses over here, um, China's pretty high up. Chinese people are pretty high up.
1: It's really good. It's really good, I think, to have people be able to go abroad for education. Um, If, you know, if there's something that they're bringing to that country and something that they're, you know, they're being productive in some way, uh, that's great. And I think people that do travel a bit love it. It's a great experience. But again, (laughs) if you're talking about terrorism and attacking, you know, another nation and even with this travel ban, I'm sure that those that are uh, terrorist minded. Um, will probably, you know, skirt the system. They'll probably just go to a different country yeah. and try to get in that way. So, But, but you know, it'll at least make it harder for them. And then a lot of the terrorists, too, that uh, attack, they say, were radicalized within their own countries, you know, whether it be the U.S. or wherever else. So anyway, at least it's an effort. And uh, But trying to stamp out terrorism, that's a very uh, challenging thing to do. Of course. and And
0: you have to admire the president for looking for some sort of practical solution trying to do something to counteract these issues it seems like he's learning from what has happened in europe and is trying to prevent the same things from happening over here Uh, it is downright confounding why so many people are up in arms against that if I mean, it's it's mainly just a temporary ban until systems are set in place for a better system for a better system of uh, immigration from those countries. It's not like they can never come again. And really, shouldn't we, in every case, when it comes to immigration, look at the qualifications of each person, look at what their concrete plans are for while they're here, whether it be going to a university and they actually already have the money to pay for that or some way to pay for it, or they have a job lined out here, shouldn't there be some sort of way that we can tell that they're going to contribute once they get here instead of immediately going on welfare?
1: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the U.S. has got its own issues that it has to deal with. Uh, there is, you know, uh, of course, the immigration issue is a big deal in Europe as well. And There's a report about a, an attack on a German pro-refugee mayor. This just happened recently. Uh, hopefully I say this name right, Andreas uh, Holstein, the mayor of Altina, a town in western Germany, is recovering after he was stabbed in a politically motivated attack carried out by a man who shouted, quote, you let me die of thirst and let 200 refugees into Altina. So people, uh, they didn't say where the gentleman was from, but I'm assuming he's local or he's from that area, and uh, I don't know what he meant by dying of thirst. Obviously he's still alive, but... (laughs) But uh, anyway, he's upset about the people coming in. So you you do see um, uh, local residents, especially in Germany, we talked about it yesterday, uh, not liking all these immigrants coming in from uh, particularly these uh, Mideast nations. That is a good example of just the anger
0: of a lot of the locals. And thankfully, they're not all responding that way, but um, that you could see that this could happen more often if if people are driven and they're desperate like that. Obviously, there's no real excuse for someone attacking someone else in that way, but uh, the policies are fundamentally changing Germany,
1: and a lot of people are going to be upset about that. Uh top story today at com is even preschoolers are hooked on screens. You start them young. Get them in there early. <laughs> Preschool children in the United Kingdom spend spend eight hours a week online. That's preschool kids. Or uh, says for the first time ever, children in the United Kingdom are spending more time on the internet than watching television. Well, it's kind of funny, you know. We got, we got to figure out a way to get these kids off of watching TV. Let's give them something that's more addictive. <laughs> uh, media regulator Ofcom reported on November sixteenth. Preschool children ages five and under. Yeah, you know, five. You're just learning to read and look at colors and spend 8 hours a week online. What are they what are they looking at online? I'm sure it's like cartoons and stuff, but who knows what they're looking at. You know how it is, you go online and you could be looking at a cartoon and the ads that pop up are just terrible. Yeah, it, that's a
0: really dangerous uh trend here, especially I you would think a lot of those kids probably aren't being supervised. Probably right. the parents aren't around at the time that the children are using their screens or being on the computer. That, that's where it gets pretty dangerous, especially when you hear like the really young age of uh, people accidentally being exposed to pornography. I think it's like age eight or age 11, where people aren't even searching for that, and they stumble across it just because of how uh, twisted the internet is in a lot
1: of ways. Yeah, it's, the bad content's a danger. Also, a lot of them are probably playing games, which it just stunts your development. I mean, you're learning... How to walk, how to speak, all those things at that age, and they're spending all this time online. A November 15th Daily Mail article told the story of one British couple who bought tablets for their sons, Connor, four years old, and Charlie, 18 months old. Charlie, oh, no. 18. Months old. It says, now in a situation familiar to moms and dads everywhere, the devices that the couple hoped would bring an extra dimension to their son's play have become the only toys they are interested in. Charlie is young enough to distract with other things, says Rachel, a full-time mom, but uh, if allowed, Connor would be on it every waking moment. They <laughs> demand their screens and don't take them away.
0: Yeah, it's really a dangerous thing. I've even noticed that with my five-month-old daughter. She's able to look at the TV and she's she can focus pretty well but that's not necessarily the type of thing that you want a young child focusing on and and hardwiring their brain to expect that type of fulfillment if if all you're looking for or all you're really spending your time on is a sc- screen that is playing videos for you or giving you entertainment without you having to do anything it's not really helping you develop many useful skills it's not something that's going to allow you to be uh, successful in school, especially for these young kids who, like you said, are in their formative years, they're trying to learn how to communicate, how to speak, how to do basic tasks that we've all done for many years, they could be really hindered in, in a lot of ways by just staring at a screen that doesn't require anything uh, in
1: return from them. They say uh, in this uh, right up here at the trumpet that swiping and tapping on a screen is no substitute for the full-body development and dexterity that comes from traditional childhood games and toys. Uh, the, the example of this boy, Connor, he's now five. He is struggling to learn how to write because he has not properly exercised the muscles. He needs to grip a pencil. His fine motor skills are not developed to the level of a normal five-year-old. So besides just what it's doing to, say, the thinking capacity or the attention capacity, just your physical muscles developing. He can't hold a pencil. Like right. whoever heard of that unless you had like an actual injury or disability just hasn't developed those muscles. It's not it's not a given that your body will just do these things. Like you have to train it to walk, to hold a pencil, to uh, all those things. And they're they're missing out on that those formative uh, developmental stages of life. Yeah, and I do
0: wonder how many parents might forget that it's not a given necessarily for for their Children to develop normally. Uh, my daughter's still; she's just now learning how to grasp things in her hands and, and try to start picking them up without letting them go right away. She has no idea how to really bring it up to her mouth, which is always her end goal at that right, age. Right. But uh, she, you know, she is getting used to that very slowly, and uh, she's starting to kick her legs more, getting getting close to being able to roll over and crawl. But those things take a long time, and it takes a lot of development. And if Maybe instead of uh, developing those types of motor skills, they're looking at a screen. It's not going to be good for them down the road.
1: No, there's a there's really a poignant example I've used this before, but um, in uh, the Russian prison system, the Gulag, over the the uh, you know the hundred or so years that was an operation, um, they had children born there and they were just kind of mm-hmm. left to themselves and. Uh, they really became sort of like animals. They were actually the most feared group in those prisons because they were just they weren't like humans. Because no one had taught them, no one had given them attention or love or taught them even basic, you know, things. So it if we're not taught or we don't develop because we're ignored uh, or just given over to devices, um we don't develop as we should. I mean, what's going to happen to these kids when they're adults? Scary thought. Yeah, it is and and it is not
0: it's not very hard at all to notice maybe what these devices have done to our young people Um, it's it's pretty easy to see that they have a more difficult time articulating themselves unless they're maybe uh, in a in an online chat room or they have
1: have emojis at their disposal
0: Yeah. yeah or they're texting it like you don't you don't necessarily see the development of like how to structure a sentence properly or how to even articulate your thoughts out loud those things are definitely suffering the ability to read something comprehend it and write it down in your own words it's it's more difficult to do anything like that basic communication skills that will aid you for the rest of your life if what you're doing is passively giving your mind over to a screen
1: it's really fascinating to think about and and really scary what will become of these young people that have been that have grown up on it and and an abuse of it and too much of it the technology and you can look at just even the people that have created it, and they're uh, having some problems too. This is from the New York Times, where Silicon Valley is going to get in touch with its soul. They feel like the technology they've created has uh, taken their soul, as they say. They feel like they've lost their humanity, and they're trying to figure out how to get it back. And they're the ones that made a lot of the technology. That's really not surprising. Just it, It's so
0: severe, some of the types of addictions and the symptoms that you see from people who spend their whole days instinctively checking their phones you know like the study that says we we check our phone what 80 was it 83 times a day and that's just uh unlocking it that's that's not even including just turning the screen on to see the notifications before unlocking the phone and getting into it more uh that is changing the brain's processing because That's that's like a new type of addictive, instinctive habit that we're developing, and it does steal a lot of time. If we were to write down how many minutes we spent on every activity throughout the day, we'd probably find several hours lost just from a smartphone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This uh, piece from the New York Times talks about this uh, facility. It's uh, called the Esalen Institute. It's a storied hippie hotel, they say, <laughs> Here on the Pacific coast south of uh, Carmel, California. After a storm damage in the spring and a skeleton crew in the summer, the Institute was fully reopened in October with a new director and a new mission. It will be a home for technologists to reckon with what they have built. Oh. So we're going to go out there, and I think it costs like 3000 bucks a weekend. These are some rich folks heading out there. Yeah. And they're trying to get in touch with their souls. And so they're doing a lot of what you would consider, I guess, sort of the new age. Um, they like to do their yogas. They like to sit and, and do their yogas. That's not even a right expression. <laughs> do yoga. We don't, we don't need to know how to say that. <laughs> do their yogas. <laughs> they do uh, yoga. They sit in a circle. They They uh, chant. Um, they're trying to figure out uh, how to feel like they're humans again because the technology has stolen that from them. They're really looking for answers to life and a purpose to life. They're looking for religion, (laughs) but they're looking for it in more of this, uh, I guess you'd say, Far Eastern sort of uh, methodology. And what that involves in most
0: cases and in most of those practices is just clearing your mind of all thoughts and basically leaving a vacuum there, which there are spirits that will take advantage of that and fill your mind when it's empty. It's a very dangerous uh state of thought
1: or state of mind. Yeah, they they this one individual that's involved there says, "What is it that moves the technology to where your internet moves forward?" That's their new term, your internet. In other words, <laughs> you, inside of you, your internet. Uh thankfully, they say other people have developed the operating manual, so they they think they've figured out or they're trying to figure out how to get in touch with your internet. Uh, No mention of the Bible here, of course. Of course. It says, uh, what are these technologies doing, says uh, this uh, gentleman, Mr. Kalehi, who also teaches a class at this uh, retreat. Decisions we make affect more than one billion people. These are the movers and shakers in Silicon Valley. He says, here you shed your clothes and your inhibition, and there's a rawness to it, <laughs> so they can get in touch with their internet. They've, they're they affecting billions of people, and they, they're saying, what have we made, and what have we become?
0: It's like the story of the Frankenstein monster, where you're trying to build something that you think is going to benefit all humanity, but then you always, and every, every time we have some sort of new invention, we see all these terrible uses for it, or just extreme uses, and we've talked about all the different health side effects or defects of these types of devices where it does change the hardwiring of your brain. It does create addiction. It does cause anxiety or, uh, tiredness, which, which is a terrible combination by the way. Uh, and then just, just your health. I mean, if it's just going to cause a more sedentary lifestyle, not as much exercise or movement, it even affects posture. I mean, the, the list is going on and on and we probably haven't even come close to figuring out All of the defects, Uh, and really, uh, do those defects make it worth uh, getting into these technologies to an extreme like that? When maybe it does help us check our email or keep up with our our uh, work
1: dealings, but at the same time, it's really hurting us health wise. It's amazing. I mean, these people at these retreats—they've made a, a small fortune selling this technology to people. And then they realize this is causing problems, so they're spending all this money to go to these retreats. Um, they like to, uh, you, you might think, well, what are they doing here exactly? Well, they're having these little classes. They like to, every morning they wake up, uh, they dance awake, which is a chakra uh, meditation. <laughs> and they have guitar classes, and uh, then they uh, get uh, a lot of uh, good meditation, and apparently. Uh, one person says, I just sold my startup and needed a place to reflect, to give me some perspective. I was tired of my life. I represented a Latin American art at a gallery in London. Now I teach creative subconscious painting. Huh. Creative subconscious painting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. They, they come there for transformation. They want to uh, become... Uh, something different. They want to transform. They're really looking for, again, purpose and hope and meaning in life, and they haven't found it in technology. They thought, I guess technology was a god and a religion, but they didn't find any peace there. Now they're trying to find it in meditation and uh, creative subconscious painting. (laughs) What about going back to the Bible, (laughs) looking at uh, the word of God, maybe? Well, that's the thing. A lot of these
0: so-called solutions that they're turning to are just weird. They're just, they're from pagan religions and they're not going to help them fill the void in their lives. We all have a void, but it's just a matter of what we fill it with. And we see people try to fill it with all types of things, whether it is these types of far Eastern practices or drugs or alcohol or, or anything else, there is a way to fill it, but it's none of those solutions. It actually comes from the Bible, which is really the one thing that people uh, would would scorn most of all for some reason.
1: Yeah, I don't think people would spend $3,000 a weekend to go into this same facility and just have a Bible sitting on the table and say, well, take a look at it and read it. I don't think they would find that to be exciting as uh, the <laughs> yoga and the dancing awake sessions, but... But that's what people need to do. There's one individual here by the name of Mr. Tauber. He, he's uh, heading up this retreat center. He had previously founded a real-time celebrity geo-stalking service called Just Spotted when Google hired him and his team in 2011. Soon after, he vacationed in Big Sur and decided his work was causing harm. He says, I realized I was addicting people to their phones. It's a crisis that everyone's in the culture of killing it, and inside, they're dying. And he's the one that made some of it. What's it doing to the rest of us?
0: Yeah, and sometimes I feel like it's almost like a coordinated attack because just the the way it's so difficult to even buy a dumb phone, they call it now, because I've had that experience where they they try to make you pay for it in, in payments, even if you have the money there all at once. It costs a couple hundred more dollars than it should for its very limited capabilities. And then just obviously the salespeople are shocked every single time you ask for a phone like that. It's like they're they're actively trying to direct you toward the latest gadget, even though what we see are people who are <laughs> so addicted to it, they're falling into fountains at the mall, or they're getting hit by cars in the street. I mean, people are obviously having their minds controlled by these things because it, it can get so extreme.
1: A lot of the commenters on this story said, well, if you're so concerned, why don't you give the money back? <laughs> well no 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 we won't do that this is one last little bit here from this again this is a retreat center out in California for those that uh, have created the technology and find that they need something else in life it says upstairs the, in- the internet class was doing a compassion exercise I couldn't do this but listen to this <laughs> everyone spent 10 minutes looking into a stranger's eyes and silently <laughs> repeating phrases like this person has emotions just like me <laughs> this person has experienced pain and suffering just like me this person will die just like me they were barefoot (laughs) three thousand bucks for that you could do that for free He'd go to jail probably if you did that to a stranger that's
0: very true yeah maybe if they didn't give back the money what they could do if they think this is actually going to work is provide this for free for everyone who's ever bought one of these devices yeah i mean if if they're rich enough to be able to afford it and they have given these types of problems to everyone else why not just let people go for free to these retreats prove that they've bought one of the devices
1: and then just let them go yeah they're just and that's i think what's happening here is is people are realizing especially the ones that are making this tech that it disconnects them from the rest of humanity and uh, it, as odd as some of this stuff is they're trying to get back to being a human and living, and talking to somebody else, apparently staring at someone for 10 minutes, <laughs> which is awkward. <laughs> but uh, so They've got some odd ways that they're thinking about accomplishing these things, but they're so disconnected from just other humans that they know that uh, it's really an empty life inside, And uh, but yet they're selling that same life to everybody, and people are buying it. We're all buying it to some extent.
0: It would make a pretty big difference if we did something as little as simply turning back to TV only, you know, instead of... Uh, the devices that are in your pocket at all times that, uh, access the internet, which has no limit. And it's really difficult to control, uh, endless surfing or binge watching or whatever it is. At least a TV has parameters. The shows come on at a certain time. They have a definite starting point and an ending point. And obviously that's not the ultimate solution, but of course people would, uh, at least they'd be at events and paying attention to the event because their TV is back at home (laughs) instead of always being stuck on a device at all times, no matter where they are, no matter what they're supposed to be doing. It's just, it is a device that's really hard to control.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of discussion you could have about the whole technology topic, but in some cases, uh, the advancement in technology, it stunts the advancement in people. Like, we don't develop maybe ourselves as much as we could like those children in that Trumpet uh, article where, because they're so hooked on the information on the device and whatever's happening, they don't develop themselves. So there's, there's an interesting thought to to have there. And I think as parents, I mean, we have to think about our own lives, but we have to think about our kids' lives too. And again, I'm not advocating like, you know, never use technology or anything like that, but but it can it can take over and then become a problem.
0: And we are transitioning as a society from doers into spectators, we're not necessarily going out and performing actions that we could just watch on a screen. And that is sad because maybe people just don't realize what they're missing out on by not actually going camping but instead watching a a wildlife show or not actually going to a game but instead always watching it on a screen while doing 20 other things at once on that device. We're not necessarily going out and doing things anymore. We're just... We're just watching it, and it's affecting our communication as well because we're not doing things in person with people. Uh, We're actually just
1: doing things online. Not to mention how it can just cut off your spiritual connection from God. Now we're talking about a real spiritual connection, not the the uh, raisins and meditation and staring at people. But uh, <laughs> I, don't to, I don't want to make fun of it too much, but it's kind of silly, I think. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just you look at how much time can be spent in it. What about praying? What about Bible study? What about, you know, if you look at Christ's example, he got up early and he went out and spent time praying to his father. And, um, you know, do, are people spending time doing that? I mean, they are looking for a spiritual connection, and they're looking in the wrong places for it, but but we do need one. We're built to need one, and yet uh, there's a lot of distractions that can get in the way. Yeah, I, I suggest it's simply returning from the
0: smartphones and the Internet to TV, but yeah, you're right. The ultimate solution is uh, far greater than that. It goes beyond going from Internet to TV or TV back to books. It's actually a spiritual connection going into deep study of the Bible, which is the most important book of all time. And praying to the God who created us, who obviously wants a hands-on part in our lives, and he's just not getting it from most of us.
1: It's uh, an interesting uh, change of uh, the way society is uh, functioning, that's for sure. And uh, so that was kind of interesting right for the New York Times. But uh, the Trumpet article is really important. Even preschoolers are hooked on screens. Top story today. Make sure you listen for the Trumpet Daily Radio Show coming up in a bit. Richard Palmer filling in today for your host, uh, Stephen Flurry. Uh, It talks about what will be the next uh, recession in the U.S. What's it going to be like? We usually have a recession every 10 years. It's been eight years since the Great Recession. The danger in all of it is that the debt has increased in the U.S. We haven't fixed the underlying problems. And so when the next one hits, uh, the debt load's even greater. We sort of survived the last one, (laughs) but uh, can we survive the next one?
0: Now would be a really good time to get out of debt if at all possible, wouldn't it? Just to avoid the next collapse. It is almost inevitable at this point just because of the history that we know and how it does seem to be a cycle every single time. Uh, But yet we're going the opposite direction, it seems like. Most of us are accumulating more debt as if we'll never have another collapse. That's just dangerously ignorant, and of course it's going to hurt a lot of people very soon.
1: Yeah, it's uh, something where... Uh, The numbers are almost overwhelming when you look at it and how much debt there is. And as is pointed out on the Trumpet Daily Radio show, that the U.S. economy and the failure of the U.S. economy, which when you look at the numbers, it has to happen at some point, uh, leads also to the rise of Germany and uh, another system there. So those two things tie in very tightly. Uh, Related to that, a historical note for today, December the 5th, in 1985 on this day, the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose above 1,500 for the first time. Uh, Today, it's over 24,000, all-time record. (laughs) Anytime you talk all-time record, you're about to have a bubble burst. Yeah, it's doing pretty well, and it
0: does does have a little bit to do with uh, a businessman being president here. It does... Uh, it does relate to that a little bit, and of course, the Bible does foretell America having maybe a bit of a surge in its power and prestige before a sudden collapse. So that's what we're seeing right now. It's fitting right in line with Bible
1: prophecy. It's been, of course, the stock market jumps around. Um, here's some of the things that happened since 2000. Uh, March 10th, 2000, had the dot com bubble. You might remember that collapse of technology bubble. Um, uh, then on September 11th, 2001, with the uh, attacks, September 11th attacks there. Uh, There was a lot of economic effects from that. The global uh, markets dropped. Uh, Then in uh, uh, September 16th of 2008, that was the big, great recession there, the financial crisis. And a lot of that was because of uh, the financial institutions in the United States. Uh, There was a lot of uh, subprime loans (laughs) going out there, and it caused a lot of problems, and it destabilized the economy globally. And uh, so there's been ups and downs since then. But those have been some of the big ones. And of course, 2008 was the last really big one. And uh, But again, lessons haven't really been learned from that. Uh, a lot of people have lost wealth. But uh, but still, the debt has risen and risen and risen. And I don't know if it's just sort of like a, you know, eat, drink and be merry because we're going to die tomorrow anyway. What difference does it make? But um, uh it's that if you look at the numbers, the household that is just increasing, and lo and behold, here comes Christmas. Right?
0: You probably did hit on the a, a big cause of it, just that that mindset that no one really knows what comes after this physical life, so why not enjoy it? Why not go along with the trends? Like with Christmas, you're expected to buy gifts for your entire extended family, almost, and even some of your distant friends. So it, it's it's a pretty difficult uh, trend to go against a lot of the time, even though it does hurt our financial situations even though it does uh put us in quite a bit of trouble that would really hurt especially if the economy collapses again
1: well i think there's that idea too that like it could never get that bad like well even if everything went bad you know i have some sort of a safety net like the government would be there to help out or uh, you know because we have had a lot of prosperity but there is a reality that debts come due and if you can't pay them then what? I mean, eventually there is a reality that you have to deal with.
0: That's true on an individual level and on a national level. And the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender basically saying that debt of any kind, uh, or at least of kinds that you don't need to have, like outside of a home loan, debt of any kind is a type of slavery. And that, that just shows how dangerous it is, how Restricting it is there's no true freedom if we're saddled by debt, and that's right it It could get um really, really bad if people who have or nations who have lended to America for a long time decide to ask for that money back and they start to demand it
1: yeah and Richard Palmer points out that one thing that's helped the u s is our allies have helped us um we're getting to have less allies if you've noticed <laughs> so uh, when those debts come due, if people don't want to use the U.S. economic system and the dollar anymore, we're in a tough spot, and then a new system has to rise, and that's where Germany comes in.
0: Yeah, and Germany has been preparing for this for seventy years. They have gone underground since World War II, as as uh, is prophesied as well. It's incredible how the Bible has foretold all of these things. They're they're ready for any chance that they get to take charge of the entire world.
1: Yeah, a really great uh, write-up uh, booklet, really, that you should get and take a look at it at thetrumpet.com that talks about a lot of these topics is He Was Right. And it looks at, boy, it's over 70 or 80 years of prophesying from Herbert W. Armstrong and those that were helping him at the time. And, um, you know, he talks about the U.S. financial collapse. He talks about the rise of Germany and all those things. And so you can track the progress of how that's happened over the years. And, you know, for us, I mean, our lifespans are, what, 70, 80 years maybe? So it seems like that's a long, long time. But in the history of a nation, you know— Prophesying of an event for seventy years, and then uh, having it come to pass, it's not really that long. <laughs> it's enough time to get your act together, but it's it's you know in the in the course of history, it's not as long as it seems
0: exactly and look at the way that America and German relations are right now, where it's I think it's like ninety eight percent of media coverage against about President Trump is extremely negative I, obviously they're not our friend, even though we would like them to be they're they're not a fan of the direction America is going. And so if they had a chance and they saw America as vulnerable and open to attack, they would take that chance.
1: It's really an important book. He was right. Check that out at the trumpet. We want to talk about uh, the rest of the show today too. We've been talking about this really good reprint article, the authority of the Bible at the trumpet.com and you can get it there for free. And because if you're talking about any of these events, uh, prophetic events, you have to go to the Bible for it. You have to look at the authority of the Bible, even people trying to connect some sort of a spiritual connection, like some of these tech uh, uh, heads. They're trying to get a spiritual connection. Where do you go for that? Well, it's the Bible, and that's uh, you need to prove the authority of it. So that's what we're looking at uh, this week. And we're talking about seven keys to understanding the Bible. The uh, fifth key we're going to talk about today, which is the truth about Israel. Israel's in the news. Uh, is um, Donald Trump going to make... Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, that's a big deal. But when people think of Israel, they think of that nation just there in the Middle East. But Israel, in Bible prophecy, is a lot more than just that group. And it helps
0: a lot to know what the prophecies are talking about when you know that Israel's actually referring to the modern descendants of that ancient nation, which includes America, Britain. Uh, In some cases, if you're talking about collectively, it also includes that Jewish nation in the Middle East. Uh, But in a lot of cases, it doesn't include that. So, so it, you have to know those identities in prophecy to understand what's about to happen.
1: Right, and that's the thing. I mean, the the Bible has a code to it, and uh, but but one that's understandable and is revealed within the Bible. We're not talking about some you know weird movie or something. We didn't have to go to Far East <laughs> Meditation to figure it out. No, no, it's uh, it's it's uh, the Bible interprets itself. It's like a puzzle, as uh, Mister Armstrong talked about, but. Uh, The fact that the nation Israel became divided into two nations, and and you can see that uh, in in the Bible, the ten-tribed kingdom, retaining the name the kingdom of Israel, possessing the birthright promises. And then the kingdom of Judah, composed of Judah and Benjamin and a large portion of Levi, possessing the scepter promises. So uh, when you talk about uh, the Jews in the Middle East, you're talking about Judah. And even though they're called Israel today, they should be called Judah and that's uh, who that is and if you look uh, the first time Judah and Israel is mentioned they're fighting each other so right. they're not the same group yeah that that is the best
0: proof you could find i believe that's in one of the books of kings isn't it or maybe chronicles but but yeah it's it's there in the old testament where Judah and Israel are fighting each other and they're even seeking the assistance of other nations to help them win against each other obviously there there was a split in that kingdom uh, and that and that is what has allowed Israel and Judah to even have separate descendants to this day. And they, you know,
1: uh, people that know a little bit about Bible history, you know, they'll talk about the lost 10 tribes. They went into captivity before Judah did. And, um, but they're not lost. Their, their identities are revealed and you can find that in the United States and Britain in prophecy. Uh, of course the, the, the two main tribes are the United States today and, uh, and Britain. That's why it's called the United States and Britain in prophecy. But you have to understand those, uh, those the modern identities of these uh, tribes, and uh, so during the time uh, of the end, which we are in, that Jewish people today merely a portion, as we mentioned, of the descendants of the kingdom of Judah, uh, and then you have the the uh, Americans, British, and democracies of Northwestern Europe are the so called lost ten tribes, or the or descended from the house of Israel, and uh, Britain is Ephraim, and uh, the United States is Manasseh. So when you look at prophecies about those tribes. You're talking about those modern nations today and then you can understand a lot about what the bible talks about.
0: That's right. And and it does help to know those identities and it, another thing it's pretty deceptive the name of Israel being used for the Jewish descendants today. I think that probably has thrown millions of people off course as to what these biblical identities are today, who these descendants are today. It's just really unfortunate that Israel the nation of Israel, the nation called Israel now is called Israel
1: instead of maybe Judah. And, you know, people sometimes would wonder, I suppose, and you see controversy about this, like, well, why, why does the United States historically have this really tight relationship with the United Kingdom? Why do both of those nations have this really supportive relationship of Israel in the Middle East or Judah? Like, why do, why are we allies? Well, it's because we come from the the same group of people who come from Israel, different tribes, but still that one people Israel and that's why there is that bond today of course it was well and it's fracturing but uh, it has been there historically and uh, when you look at these other nations who do they always go after when they're they even today they go after Israel Judah in the Middle East Israel they go after America and they go after Britain that they always go after those nations why because Satan knows who Israel is and he's attacking them right
0: and those three nations are more similar to each other than than they are to anyone else it does help to know that history, uh, especially, especially the fact that those three nations in particular have a special history with God. And they used to be all of the same nation, 12 different tribes, but of the same nation still. Uh, and even to this day, uh, you have people who are trying to fracture that relationship, people who are actively advocating against Judah in particular. We have a, a huge rise in anti-Semitism in america and in britain which is really inexcusable if you understand the history that those those people are actually our brothers and they shouldn't be we shouldn't be siding with uh,
1: the arabs over the jews and that's why it was so outrageous what the obama administration did when they they tried to become allies to all of those uh, middle eastern nations that hate us (laughs) in the u.s and the uk and, and and judah and they we just treated uh Judah and the UK with just absolute disdain. And uh so that was why if you understand who we are in the Bible and who the the people of these nations are, that's that should have really uh uh got you a little bit upset, I think. Yeah, it really should and and we know there is that that was
0: prophesied as well that that brotherhood breaking apart and that is again that is Satan's influence there on those nations. He doesn't want us to remember that history because if we remember that we're brothers we're also going to remember that we were all under god's rule together from the the law that he wrote with his own finger at mount sinai america britain and judah were all part of that their 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 ancient uh predecessors were all there at mount sinai and they saw god give that law they had god guiding them until finally they just wanted a physical king and they wanted to be like all the other nations
1: yeah and even even though the US, the UK and uh Jude in the Middle East have lost sight of God's plan, they've lost sight of a lot of God's laws. They still do hold to some of the laws and and just the physical ones. You know, if you go to nations around the world, how come the sanitation, anyway, used to be, I, I think it's still that way, uh, is better in these nations? Like, why Why is there an understanding of certain things? And you go to other uh, nations and, and they have diseases and all kinds of problems uh, because of, you know, not proper sanitation, so on and so forth. And you know, did we, we just figure that out somewhere along the line? I mean, you go back and look at the laws God gave to Israel, and he's very specific even about physical cleanliness and things like that and uh you still see some of that in in the in the Israelite nations today
0: and and also you see just unmatched prosperity because God promised blessings to Abraham, and Abraham is the father of these modern nations today, and that's why we're so blessed even even as we uh rebel against God those those promises were unconditional they were because of Abraham's obedience to God and that's why we have all these blessings in these nations today it it's really unlike the rest of the world that doesn't doesn't have uh the prosperity the the wealth the technological advancements the agriculture the economy that
1: America Britain and Judah have and then as uh Mr Armstrong points out in the United States and Britain in prophecy which you really need to get to get a full understanding of this topic uh, once we have those blessings and the, those promises are fulfilled, then what do we do with them? You know, Then we're accountable for what we do. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of corruption and evil uh, in the Israelite, modern Israelite nations today. And that's why you see us losing a lot of this. So when people are talking about economy, talking about uh, societal changes, anything that we look at and say, wow, this seems like it's going in a bad direction, uh, it's because we're getting away from the laws of God. If you keep these, I will bless you. If you don't, you're going to be cursed, we see curses. Uh, we still see some blessings that are, that are hanging on, but we see a lot of curses. And uh, you don't see anyone outside of God's church talking about uh, getting back to that law. I mean, that's the reason we see the curses that we see today, the breaking of that law of God.
0: Yeah, and that's a common trend across the board of all the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the most Prosperous nations in the world, but also they're leading the world in immorality right now. They're sliding right now because they've all started to go away from God, and God has prophesied curses to come upon them. That also includes Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the Netherlands, uh, France, among others. All those nations stand out as the most prosperous and blessed in the entire world. But at the same time, what are they? What are they doing? They're they're getting into homosexual marriage, assisted suicide. Those are just some recent headlines of things that our nations have gotten into, and obviously we have the drug addiction here in America. These types of problems are also unique to America, or to the nations of Israel, the tribes of Israel today.
1: Uh, We are being cursed unlike the rest of the world at the same time. If uh, you're interested in Bible prophecy and you want to understand it, you can't understand it without understanding this uh, vital key. It's the fifth key to understanding the Bible, the truth about Israel. When you look at prophecies, you have to know who the prophecies are talking about. And, uh, when you understand that, then it does open up that, uh, that uh, Bible prophecy to you, which is a large part of the Bible. So make sure you check out this uh, reprint, The Authority of the Bible, also related to that, uh, the United States and Britain in Prophecy. All of it is free, absolutely free, at the uh, trumpet.com, so make sure you check that out. That's all the time that we have uh, for today here on Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday edition. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Those are coming your way here shortly. For myself, Dwight Falk and Grant Turgeon, have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: listening to Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG.